Hello, you're listening to The Scent, a Titan radio show about everything horror. And today it's just going to be me going solo, but I'm going to catch up on a couple of movies that I've been watching on the past couple of weeks, and uh, hopefully introduce uh, anybody to some new movies. We're going to start off with My Bloody Valentine from 1981. So My Bloody Valentine um, is different in that it focuses on lower class community, miners, in the Aurora era compared to, let's say, Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street or the Friday the 13th movies that did focus more on um, either suburban households, um, camps in the wilderness, and teenagers, primarily. And what I would say about this one is that during that time, it was fresh. And it's also from Canada. Um, marking it different from the U.S. The movie is centered on the Valentine's Day celebration that was the anniversary to a mine explosion, resulting in the death of many miners. There was one miner left, though, Harry Warden, and they went insane because they were left there for for days, uh, trapped in the mine, with only the other miners left for food. They resulted to cannibalism. The B-plot is a romance story between the main man, TJ, who left for a trip and never contacted his girlfriend for a year. Coming back now, they find that their girlfriend has moved on, and the conflict is him trying to reconcile that relationship, and also the current boyfriend uh, being very against that. Uh, Like Candyman, which came out in 1992, the killer is going after people from their own community, when they should be going after the people who um, cause their burdens and for them to stay stay around, their pain. And so Candyman, it was a group of white men who killed the main guy because he was going after a white woman. In the movie for My Bloody Valentine, it should have been the people who were in charge of supervisors of the mining and possibly their descendants. Um, kind of like how in Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy goes after the kids of the f- parents who um, killed him and set him on fire. Or the Friday the 13th movies where Mrs. Voorhees and Jason go after campers that have sex. They're the first ones to get killed. And that's based on how Jason died. And so eventually that contradiction gets uh, resolved but it does leave for a moment in the beginning wondering why Harry Warden is going after innocent women and other minors um, when he, they should be probably pr- be protecting them. And so uh, I'm going to go and play a clip from the trailer uh, and hopefully you can get a sense of um, what the movie is about. I highly recommend it. It is a very different feel from the typical slashers. And it was one of the few slasher movies that didn't get any sequels. There was a remake that came out in 2009, My Bloody Valentine 3D. Uh, But after that, there still isn't much talk about continuing the series. Um, But I definitely recommend it, and I'm going to play the trailer right now. bad time this time of year how many times is he gonna tell this story don't let him tell it 
I love fairy tales. This ain't no fairy tale, little girl. If you don't take it seriously, you're a fool! <laughs> Valentine's dance in 20 years has to be something special. Look, Flanders, you gotta get a lot of exercise if you're gonna grapple with Gretchen. Oh yeah, I also forgot that there's a scene where you see a heart. Oh yeah? Well I got a Valentine for her that she's box. never gonna forget. <laughs> Pretty crave. Right to the heart, huh? In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. It can't be happening again. It can't be happening again. What's going on over in Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dancer, it'll happen twice. In the town of Valentine Bluffs, there are many ways to die. Take your pick. Valentine. So yeah, that was My Bloody Valentine from 1981. And another movie that I recently watched was The Rage, Carrie 2. This one um, is a direct sequel to the original Carrie from the 70s, but The Rage, Carrie 2 came out 20 years later in 99. Um, but... So it's directed by Kat Shea, who previously had directed Poison Ivy in 1992, Strip to Kill in 1987, and since then she's kind of recently re- uh, directed the Nancy Drew movie that came out earlier this year. And I, it was a decent watch. Um, I would recommend anyone who's watched the first carry. It does kind of rehash some of the same plot lines, but there are some interesting things that it does do to modernize it. Um, trigger warning also, there is a suicide scene within the first 10 minutes, so be aware of that if you do watch it. And it follows Rachel, Rachel, Carrie's stepsister, who also has telekinetic powers, but is now in a foster home that clearly is using her just for the money that they get from fostering her. Rachel's best friend kills herself after she finds out that a boy that she had sex with for the first time just used her. They were playing a game, this football team, counting points depending on who they had sex with um, and I guess like also what they were able to get from the girl along with uh, any clothing items. So they use this like ranking system and she eventually finds out and this is kind of the main plot for the, the movie. Um, these boys are always around, they're terrorizing Rachel, because she has evidence that the boy did indeed hang out with her best friend, uh, since then he had denied that he didn't even know her, to try to save himself. Now, obviously for someone that was hesitant to have sex with, 
uh, it would be devastating to find out that the person that you cared about was just playing with you in regards to Rachel's friend. But the movie doesn't delve much into questioning virginity or really the dynamics of the situation because that was really um, one of the biggest things for Rachel's friend is that she was a virgin and she was saving herself for a special moment and she thought that she had found that person. I mean, we, we can that's in a whole other topic about the concept of virginity, but I don't necessarily agree with it. And not to mark that down of the character, but... I feel like they could have probably addressed it a bit more. And so even as the counselor who does is a character that reappears from the first carry suggests that other girls might kill themselves too after finding out that they were just used is a little bit problematic, I think, to kind of blanket statement uh, that these girls will kill themselves to after finding out that they were used. Not to say that that isn't devastating or wrong in itself, um, but I do see it as a way to leverage because that is one of the standing points of this movie. The counselor, uh, Sue Na- Snell, uh, who was the previously like the most sympathetic teenager from the original Carrie, she is now a counselor at the at the high school, and she's trying to make up for what happened. Um, so she steps in to defend the severity of the girl killing herself over the board and stands up to the football team coach, to the principal. But sadly, people get involved. Other men uh, who have power are able to remove that hold from the football team. And yeah, but it, it was nice to see a movie where there was an attempt to go and do something about the culture that is kind of causes these things to happen. And I was going to say also like to kind of flip it to like a more current issues. uh, These it's a trope about like these football teams and um, using these girls, but it still happens today. It happens with frats. It happened in high school right across from Cal State Fullerton where they found uh, the football team sharing uh, nude photos of girls and sharing them amongst themselves. Um, And one of the students was 18 and had to register as a sex offender because they were technically holding child porn. Um, And that's like a whole other thing, like high school sexting, um, something that we should be talking about and... um, letting the younger kids know that once you share those things, like even then people can hack your phone, sign into accounts, iCloud, there's so many things. Um, and it was nice that the, the sequel kind of updated some of the issues that would, uh, come from, uh, being in the nineties. And even I think the second carry kind of delves a little bit into like social media but I haven't watched that since it came out. Hopefully I can uh, watch that in the next coming weeks and give uh, review it because I thought it was very too similar to the original and didn't really do much different. But I definitely would recommend The Rage Carry 2. There is some problematic statements like I had mentioned, but um, it does pit as the boy, as this football team, as like the main antagonist of the movie. Um, and so one little straight observation was that the movie oddly has like a lot of uh, girl and girl jealousy 
in which um, this girl who's attracted to a boy that Rachel is starting to date um, says, if he's going to be with somebody, with someone, he should show some respect. He should show me the respect, at least, to be seen with someone pretty. Someone cool. Someone who counts. You know, someone... But instead, it's her. End quote. And so, yeah, like some of the lines are questionable, and I'm not sure exactly what they're trying to do with having these girls uh, against each other and be jealous of each other. But I liked it. I enjoyed it. And the end scene where uh, Carrie and Rachel, or Rachel uh, goes all crazy on everybody, it's pretty satisfying. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to play the trailer, and we'll continue on from there. Romeo and Juliet, a tale of star-crossed lovers, pulled apart by their families, by society, and some might say, by fate. Now, why is it that we are so moved by love that ends with separation? I don't know that I believe in it. Believe in what? Love. Who would love her? Oh gosh, that music is so 90s. At your age, it's perfectly normal to be afraid of turning out like your parents. Is that scary for you? All your life, you've known that you were different. It must be nice not having to be like everybody else. Sometimes I really wish I could just be one of the shiny, happy people, you know? Come on, this girl's just a skank. You don't even know her. What, and you do? Yeah, I what do you know her. The others don't understand you. At least be seen with someone cool, someone who counts. Maybe somebody needs to teach the two of them a little lesson. And they... Rachel. ...don't want you around. If you want to talk out your feelings... No! Well, to hell with them. So you want to know how I'm feeling today? When Rachel was growing up, did you ever see objects move by themselves? What is wrong with this picture? You've heard of Carrie White, haven't you? 73 people died night of the prom. Next semester. Rachel! Terror. Dude, it's her! It's her doing it! Runs in the family. The rage carry to. Man, we missed another killer party. And so yeah, that was The Rage Carry 2 from 1999, the direct sequel to the original Carrie. Another movie that I watched is The Step for Wives from 1975. The movie is based on a book by the same name by Ear Levin, who also wrote Rosemary's Baby. Um, the movie is a perfect representation of what is called the cult of domesticity. It's kind of the social and cultural enforcement of the roles of a housewife that was very prominent and also created an idea of what is a true woman. Now, of course, we're talking about a very specific time, and so this is very related to white women. Specifically, even in the movie, it is about women who are in the suburbs. Uh, which kind of led to the first wave of feminism. And the movie has been referenced when talking about Get Out 2017. 
and I can see the relation because given the main plot and how the um, move film like involves women in the community becoming more complacent, not only amongst current wives, but even across generations, it shows the similarities between this one and Get Out. The film follows Joanna Eberhardt, who recently moved to the neighborhood because of business opportunities available for the husband, Walter. Joanna eventually befriends another housewife, Bobby, who is just as vocal and discontent of the neighborhood and the other wives that seem to be consumed with their duty as a wife, mother, and home caretaker. Having another woman that Joanna can relate to and vent uh, kind of bolsters their confidence to speak out more, and f- they eventually form a session for women to talk about issue- their issues. But this is all preceded because there's this underlying, like, weird fascination with the men's club that Walter joins in order to get uh, networking and connections. And so they analyze Joanna by, like, drawing there's this man who is very good at portraits and draws her this other man interviews her and is like where have you been where have you lived what addresses your work history and like so it's very weird that they're going after all these personal information and they're ogling her in this very 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 uncomfortable way and so that kind of brings me to Diz which is the leaders of the men's group and they particularly have a very weird obsession with Joanna, which when I play the trailer, you'll hear. They, it's, where, it's a scene where Diz kind of observes Joanna while she is pouring hot water for tea before making a super cringy comment about like liking women, seeing women doing domestic work or something. It's, and so like the dynamics and power of complacency and how even when there are women who are questioning the neighborhood dynamics and the family structures, when there's enough women who are complacent in the situation, they end up dominating the group and center the conversation around housework again. So it kind of gives this commentary of like the amount of unity that you need and how uh, different people can take control of the space and the conversation. Um, so to close it off... Um, it's it's a slow burn movie. It's funny. It has enough moments to like make you cringe on just like the situation of these women. Uh, but I would definitely recommend it. I see a lot of the connections to Get Out, and even then, it's uh, there's this one particular scene where Joanna and Bobby walk into another house to check on a fellow housewife. And I'll get more into that when uh, I play the clip. But right now, I'm going to go and play the trailer for y'all. In the town of Stepford, the men are getting exactly what they always dreamed of. Perfect wives. Also, even the trailer and the announcer has a weird voice. A nightmare for the Stepford wives. A very modern suspense story from the author of Rosemary's Baby. The Stepford wives about what men can do behind closed doors. Uh, they were telling me about the men's association. Right now, it's strictly men only. Not to mention that creepy men's association. We moved here about two months ago, and Ed joins this men's association. Anything that gets him out of the house nights is fine with me. I like to watch women doing little domestic chores. You came to the right town. I want to please him now. I'll just die if I don't get this recipe. 
It took me so long to get the upstairs floor to shine. Charmaine's changed, Carol Van Zandt's changed, and so have all those other women's club members. I'm getting the hell out of Stepford. Bobby, it's gotten to you now. I just want to look like a woman. And you're not going to leave Stepford either, are you? Leave Stepford? Charmaine changed. Carol Van Zandt changed. She's changed! And stop telling me I'm crazy! You see somebody, you get some help, you, you see a psychiatrist. I think the men in the association are behind it. And my time is coming! Everybody's out looking for me, so don't panic. I want my children! Where are they? And I hope you were able to get a sense of the movie after the trailer. And next up, I'm going to play a clip about when Joanna and Bobby walk into another house to check on a fellow housewife, Patricia. They find that she's being pleasured in such a way that can only be from the imagination of a straight man because Joanna is aroused by hearing how the Patricia is being pleasured, but the dialogue is really in your face. It's out. It's so in your face that it's, it's kind of hilarious. Um, but I'll go and let the uh, scene speak for itself. This is who? Cornell. Husband owns the pharmacy. She works there sometimes. What I'd give for her chest. There's this thing they've invented. It's called mocking. Oh, doesn't interest me. I'm a natural-born barge. So, yeah. <laughs> um, sorry if that was a little bit too explicit to you, but that was so over the top, I couldn't help but laugh when I saw that in person. Um, I highly recommend this movie. The ending is phenomenal. And especially if you like Get Out, uh, I think you'll appreciate the uh, context of what the movie is talking about. So, you can find it on YouTube, actually, if you would like. Um, and watch it for free there. Um, yeah. So, next up, we're going to go and cover P- Tomb Bad, um, an Indian movie that came out in 2018.
भनक कोई भनक कानो कान धन धन ये जो धनक ये जो खनक धरा छान लिया कोई फनक कानो कान दिया धन ये जो धनक ये जो खनक धरा छान लिया पर 
And that is the main title theme for Tomb Band, performed by Jaya Tool, and it plays throughout the movie. But we'll get into that. This was a surprise. I got it from a recommendation of the podcast Shockwaves, um, another horror podcast sponsored by Blumhouse, where I actually get a lot of my recommendations from. They go really deep into some um, deep cuts in the horror genre. And Too Bad uh, is on Amazon Prime, actually. You can watch it there. I don't think it has a DVD release or any way to find it online. Uh, but this, the premise of the movie is that it's centered on greed and this um, god, Hastar, who um, the intro actually it gives you the mythology behind uh, the movie and how this uh, the mother goddess had um, had given grain and and gold, and Hastar, one of the first and the favorite child, goes after the gold. They try to go after the grain too, after everything, um, and to avoid complete um, uh, starvation and lack of resources for everyone, the other gods pitch in and they go in um, in case and trap Hastar. The point was, though, that as long as he wasn't worshipped, there would be no problems, and they erased the memory of Hostar to the community. But somehow there was a monument or like a little shrine for Hostar, and the main family um, is the one who benefits off of that. And so it starts off with this mother and these two kids, um, and it progresses into one of the kids as an adult, Around the 1930s, 40s. Um, and then even eventually to like older in life. And so it's an epic. Uh, I think it's like around two hours. But it is amazing. The mythology that they're able to build around it. The way that the creature, Hastar, um, interacts. And the commentary on greed and... Uh, wanting to be uh, kind of like the difference between like the individual and the community. Um, and it even delves into some of the uh, gender roles. Uh, there is a reference to uh, Gandhi, um, and they talk about it as in real time when he's an adult, as so the uh, British uh, colonization. Uh, is in the process when, at least in the context of the story and so I would highly recommend it I can't speak enough of it um, there hasn't really been a mo- it feels like 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 an epic adventure movie and the music is amazing and so like this movie it's complex you're not supposed to be rooting for the main character Vanayek they are extremely greedy. They are 
abusive to their children, but it's also a heartwarming lesson because the it shows how the kids um, only go from what they learn from their parents. Uh, it's dangerous in order to get the money from Hastar, and you eventually see the progression of them getting richer and richer. And despite them having all this wealth, the it doesn't make them any happier. Um, it does give them access to a lot of different things, but uh, Raniyak is greedy also in having a mistress. Is greedy that they will train their children to put themselves in a dangerous position just to feed their wealth. So... It is tough in that aspect if you're sensitive to child abuse, but it is a great movie. Hastar, the design of the god, is amazing. And so, yeah, I would highly recommend Tomb Bad from 2018, available on Amazon Prime. Uh, next up, I'm going to be talking about Better Watch Out, which came out in 2017, an Australian horror movie. Uh, this I actually watched this in my CTVA class 102 inside the movies and got to get another talk from the director. I saw it first and this was another movie that was recommended through Shockwave the group um, which also has a Facebook group if you're interested in following there you will get so many recommendations of different horror movies that you probably never heard of. And so this one is a movie about, rich white male privilege and misogyny and almost this incel type of mentality uh, combined with uh, the nice guy type of mentality in which this little 12 year old kid starts looking up ways to arouse um, people because they have a crush on their 17 year old babysitter they act out whenever what they do does not work in their favor. And they turn cold towards their babysitter when she goes and doesn't uh, accept or doesn't go along with what he's doing. And so it's honestly a bratty kid um, acting out. I can't say it's the easiest movie to watch. Um, but it is very interesting to kind of see this rise of um, insecurities like being shown in a horror movie. It's, it was a third time watching it two weeks ago, and it was the hardest time to watch. Uh, I appreciate it for what it does because the main character, uh, Ashley, never is they're intelligent, they're smart. They, even when they're not in control of the situation, they are not demeaned as a person or as like a character. The character is not demeaned. They are put in situations where uh, there's a scene where the little shit, <laughs> Luke, uh, the 12 year old kid, uh, goes and molests her and like touches her breast while she's tied up. And. It's uncomfortable, um, but despite that, she never falls into 
the stuff that she's put through. Um, and so apparently the movie was conceived as more as like a torture porn movie. And it, it's, it, it still has like some moments where was this really necessary? Um, there is a scene of a uh, person being hung, a uh, person being stabbed in the neck, and um, a person uh, getting shot with a shotgun. There's all these different things in there that I have found myself to be m- more sensitive as time goes on. Um, kind of similarly to the school shootings, um, being exposed and seeing the videos, it's made me more sensitive to violence, or at least certain types of violence. But I think it's a smart movie, if anything, a smart horror movie, and uh, if anything, it kind of shows how easily um, the younger generation, if exposed to this wrong mentality, can have these like expectations for people, for women, for young boys to have these expectations on girls, and to be able to think that just because you do nice things for somebody, they owe you something. Um, so it, it's it's problematic in the sense that, especially after everything that's been going on, the Me Too movement, and um, and violence in general, I, I yeah, I, I find myself to be more sensitive to certain horror movies, and this is one of them. But uh, if anyone does get to watch it, please let me know. Um. It, like I said, I'm not really selling this movie. It is really great. It's smart. Uh, it starts off as a um, home invasion movie and eventually becomes something else. And so the way that everything plays out, I think if anything, you can appreciate it. Plus, it's a Christmas horror movie. So if anything, that. More holiday horror for you. So right now, I'll go and play the trailer. Want a trigger in the mood? Watch a horror movie. Luke mm. has a She's very like twice our age. annoying, really don't think but it's realistic, squeaky voice. You are breathtaking. <laughs> Thank you. Now don't stay up and watch scary movies, okay? It'll give you nightmares again. So what do you want to do? Ricky, why can't you just leave me alone? He's such a jerk. Don't hang up on me. What was that? What the fuck? Oh my god. Get away from the window. There's someone there. Ashley! Are you hiding? I'll find you. Don't worry, I'll protect you. Oh. 
What are you doing, man? Please let me out of this. You're fucking home alone again? Lighten the fuck up. Exes just go away. And so, thank you for listening to me talk about all these different horror movies. Hopefully, you may have found something that may have interested you. And uh, I do hope to go at least explore The Step for Wives again. Uh, and talk about it in greater detail with full-on spoilers. So I decided to address uh, my warnings for movies. As I have talked about throughout this uh, show, I have grown to be more sensitive towards certain things. For example, as I mentioned, I am more sensitive to guns and public shootings in movies because of the the awareness that social media brings and the power that it has to show events that normally wouldn't be shared. I mean, the news does this as well, but... Uh, social media just has such a wider audience, I believe, uh, and also uh, much more diverse possibilities. That's just the one. As I mentioned, I'm going to be playing a song for my sign kills that features stabbing sounds, the noise of a knife going through flesh and screams. I am not completely comfortable with that anymore. And I can't exactly pinpoint exactly why that is so, but I would like to continue as to, I do it out of sensitivity to people, to be considerate. I will not be perfect, <laughs> and I may forget certain things, and I apologize, but I guess this is a time to bring up one recent movie that I have talked to a couple of friends, and that has popped up in social media, and that is It Chapter 2. I believe the first 30 to 50 minutes or so, uh, there's three particular scenes. And I point these scenes out because they are not expected in a horror movie about a entity that takes the shape of your worst fears. Especially compared to the first movie, there is some creepy... Um, almost pedophilic uh, relationship between between Beverly and her dad and there is more of that in the second chapter so 
I, it, I do appreciate it, Chapter 2 for addressing issues that normally aren't present, or at least giving them more time than you would probably uh, expect from a typical horror movie. And so I consider it more drama-ish horror. Um, and I like that. But I do not appreciate, or at least it came unexpected and was triggering, rose up my anxiety, and brought me to tears having the scene, opening scene where this gay couple are beaten and one of them almost killed, being thrown into the river, while the consistent use of the F-word, and it is an extended scene, I ain't get it. There is a place for violence and extended violence to provide effect. Uh, the Holocaust movies have done that, and I can no longer watch them as much. <laughs> Uh, for the same reasons. And then you end up in a domestic abuse scene. And then we have a suicide scene. All of this was in the first 30 to 50 minutes. And me and Ricky talked earlier in an earlier episode about how the suicide scene eventually was framed, and I also disagree with that. But having all those scenes, one after the other, it, I wasn't expecting it. And so kind of how I am able to watch um, rape revenge movies is because I know what I'm getting myself into. In my head, I have prepared myself. And so... I don't know. I, I don't know. Because some of some part of some horror movies is the shock value. It is those jump scares, those scenes where you do not expect something to happen. And that is the power of film and horror specifically in the genre to get under people's skin. And I'm not sure. I, I just... Um, because of my experience, because of seeing how people within the LGBTQ community responded to that opening scene, I now have an idea that maybe if there is scenes that are unrelated to the horror that is expected of a movie, maybe there should be trigger warnings. And part of that used to be in the marketing in the earlier horror movies. Part of it was creating that type of shock of, we're going to list you all the different horrific scenes that you're about to watch. But part of it was like a challenge. Part of it was, look at what you're about to watch, what you're about to experience. And it was a challenge to the audience. If you dare, watch the movie. And the thing is, it's not a spoiler. You will only you're only given a, de a detail of what type of deaths or what type of violence you'll be watching, not specifically the context of how it happens. And so, I don't necessarily think it will take anything away because you will not be expecting it in the moment of the movie. But that's just my opinion. 
uh, and that is the reading why I do want to give trigger warnings for movies. And I guess I also wanted to address, I had a talk with a co-worker today about the use of the N-word in relation to lyrics uh, and people who are, do not identify as black. Um, and it's complicated. They did let expand my way of thinking to at least consider, well, there are certain situations where maybe within the group that you're in, uh, if mem if all the members who identify as black say it's okay, maybe that is a space for you to be able to use it. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not going to uh, say one or the other is correct. But I do think that part of the response was that people were getting more sensitive towards things. And maybe yes, but so what? Um, what is being limited? And so, in relation to horror movies, so what if people are being more, are becoming more sensitive to certain types of horror? I think that is a sign of the social and political climate that we currently are in. And just as Get Out played with the idea that you thought the main guy was going to be shot when that police car showed up. That is a sign of what is happening and the way that our minds are trained. And so, for some people, that may have been triggering. Uh, and I think it's just, there's nothing taken away by just trying to be considerate of others. And... Being sensitive to certain things is, doesn't make people weak. It does not make them wrong for horror. I still enjoy movies. I still enjoy the Scream movies that have so many stabbings. And yet, for some reason, certain contexts, it's not. The mind is weird. Our perceptions are weird. And can sometimes be unexplainable. And the fact that I can watch a rape revenge movie but be uh, icked out by the sounds of stabbing noises doesn't make sense. But that is my experience and my reality. And I hope that maybe anything that I said uh, lets you think about things a little bit differently. Or maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. And uh, Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my rambling. Uh, keep it simple. Midterms are going on, and I hope that if you're in school, everything's going well, that you're keeping up. We've got about seven, six weeks left, and just keep on going. <laughs> I know uh, this semester has seemed to be very tough for a lot of my friends, uh, professors, and so um, I do hope that uh, please take care of yourself, uh, take note of your own mental health, and um, make sure to always make time for yourself. Yeah. We can spread ourselves to to the um, 
responsibilities that we think we have, the responsibilities that we do have, but I believe that we can always at least take some time to just do something that we like, whether it's a walk outside, some music, uh, or hanging around, reading, uh, just doing something that you love. And uh, yeah, we'll close it off with that. And uh, and now I'll play a song from Paris, one of my favorite bands, Half. Uh, this song deals with kind of feeling split in between two places, um, at times not feeling anything but being overwhelmed with emotions. And I think that's a pretty good description of how I've been this semester and what I've heard from my friends. So, yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing song. I love it. I believe it probably is my favorite song from them. And I uh, hope you all enjoy. Thank you for listening. And please take care. Mm-hmm.